Christina, thanks for hopping into the car and driving from Marietta to be with us tonight. You're welcome. Happy to do it. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, well, you know, it was a little little bit of a distance. And when I called you, I said, hey, I, I know you're all the way in Marietta. But you have some roots here, your, or your, your money comes here. Yes, we have invested in the Athens community for uh, about eight years now. <laughs> so um, two daughters have, uh, well, one has successfully finished here, and one is on the final lap. She will be out of here um, in May. Yes. So what a great feeling. It is. So it this is, is kind of like your second home. It is. Kind of. Kind of, Kind of. Yes. At yeah. least a second home for your money. So Correct. <laughs> so Correct. Okay, so... Um, you have, you know, children that are in college, you have Mm -hmm. a grandchild. Yes, ma'am. And you have, um, daughters that are married. Yes, ma'am. But you also do this ministry called Table on Delk. Correct. All right. Tell us what y'all do. What we are is a place where women and children who are currently being sexually exploited or at risk of being exploited out of some motels on Delk Road where they can come and have something to eat for free and get connected to resources that they might not know about. Okay, so you're talking to Athens folk here. Mm -hmm. So tell us where is Delk Road and what I mean, why Delk? Why? What is that? Delk Road is um, in northwest part of Atlanta, Metro Atlanta, um, the second exit off of 75 outside of 285. Okay, so that's so, the exit where I'm usually in standstill traffic. One of many, yes. One of many. Yes. Okay, so yes. if you've been on 75 in standstill traffic, good chance you're kind of near Delk Road. Right. Okay. I believe it's exit 261 is okay. the, the number. So, um, so yeah, it's in the northwest part of Metro Atlanta. Um, there is exploitation happening on Delk Road. But that's not the only place it's happening in Metro Atlanta. Quite honestly, it's happening here in Athens as well. Um, It's just a little not it's not as much it's not as well noticed Mm -hmm. or um, well known. Okay, so if I drive down Delk Road, what am I going to see? If you get off of uh, Interstate 75 and go east on Delk Road, then you're going to see a very large motel complex um, consisting of Motel 6 and Studio 6. So that's one motel is the nightly stay, and then Studio 6 is the extended stay. There are over 300 rooms in that one motel right there. Um, You go another hundred feet and there's a little um, hospitality inn is what it's called. Um, That's Mm -hmm. a little motel, maybe 25 rooms there. And then if you go on the north side of Delk Road, just again, we're still talking about a quarter of a mile, actually a tenth of a mile right off the interstate. Walking distance. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, And then there are a couple more motels, uh, Ramada Inn and Roadway Inn, where we we minister. Those, the motels that I just mentioned are exterior entry motels and so that makes it a little easier for trafficking and exploitation to take place um, there's not a lobby that folks have to go through um, so we uh. we feel called to those those specific motels just east of 75 again there's more happening on the west side but that's not where we feel like the Lord has called us to serve so I'm thankful that he's given us a really narrow defined area yeah. where he wants us to to pour into okay so talk to me about the managers because mm-hmm. I'm sure they don't want that going on they they want to stop this as well um, most of them do yes yeah. um, I think that there's just a concession that because they're economy motels they're going to attract just some element, some degree sure. of, of this 
consumer. But but yeah, they're they don't they're not in favor of it. They're not in support of it. They're I don't believe they're in on it. We've had one Motel Six, according to my law enforcement friends, has actually been very cooperative when they have tried to do sting operations mm. there. So yeah, you're right. The the management motel management is is not in not in favor of it. There's one motel though, and I'm I'm not going to mention it, but management is in on it, wow. and it's just a matter of catching them and so it's widespread trafficking exploitation and drugs tend to go hand in hand right you know we hear sometimes you know through the news about sexual exploitation and um, the sex trade industry and Mm -hmm. you know all the different terrible horrific things that are going on in our little state of Georgia Mm -hmm. all right so paint the picture for us about those who are sexually exploited because I think there is a a shortfall, you know, we hear in the news, this is what's going on, but then we're like, who are these people? How, how did they find right. themselves in this position? Right. That's actually a great definition of how did they find themselves in this situation? No little girl or little boy. Boys are exploited as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to hear more about the women um, in the industry, but but by all means, boys are exploited as well. No little girl, though, let's stick with girls. No little girl sits around dreaming, I want to be a princess or a ballerina or Mm. a prostitute. They do find themselves in situations, especially the folks that we minister to on Delk Road, where they have a a terrible home environment. They've come from from childhood sexual abuse. They've been told at an early age that they're damaged goods, that no good man will want them. They're stupid, they're ugly. Good thing you got a body because that's how you're going to support yourself. So those lies Satan has planted in their heart started as a little early. Yes. Wow. Yes. So what they end up seeing then as they grow, absolutely. The women in their lives are modeling what they've been told. They've got a body. They use the body for survival. Uh, the, the women that we minister to are not the pretty woman type. I mean, that's not how it ever plays out. Um, these, these women are engaging in survival sex. They want to put a roof. They need to put a roof over their head, food in their stomach or their children's stomachs. They may indeed have a job at McDonald's or a fast food restaurant, but that doesn't pay the bills. It's quite expensive to live in an extended stay motel. Um, especially when you don't have a microwave or a refrigerator. So every meal that you eat is takeout. And so for a lot of these women, um, just the notion there's an option that they have. Correct. They have choices. They have choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It blows their mind. Mm -hmm. And so just talking to them, I'm sure, and saying Mm -hmm. that like, hey, we can help you. We can give you other choices, other options. Right. It's huge to them. That's actually how we approach the ladies. Um, Mm -hmm. When we do our ministries, when we do our outreaches, we go around to those motels in the parking lots. We don't go knocking on doors, but we go around in the parking lots and we offer to give them something. Choose a scarf out of our bag. Choose a water bottle. Choose some toiletry bags, whatever. We give them that initial choice. Choose something there and then choose to come back and eat with us and just get to know us a little bit better Mm -hmm. or let us get to know you better and learn of the resources that are in this area. Many of the ladies don't they're not from the local Marietta or Atlanta area. They've just found themselves here for a variety of reasons. So, so they don't know the area. They really don't know the the shelters or the um, the GED options. Many of them don't have a, a high school diploma. Several, an alarming number, don't even have an ID. 
And and I think that's probably the biggest thing that when we have volunteers come and minister to us, that's the thing that opens their eyes the most is yeah. why, why are these people, why do they stay here? You know, why are they not taking advantages of the resources that you tell them about? Honestly, it's because they don't have an ID. They've never had one or it's been taken from them. Which, you know, when you get a job, that's the first thing they ask for right. is your license and, you, you know, all the different. You can't even stay in a shelter without an ID. Literally, you have to have an ID to go to a shelter. So, again, if you don't have that, you don't have a choice. You don't have an option. Mm. You've got to put a roof over your head or sleep on the street, which, you know, when it's 30 degrees or below, nobody really wants that. So, like you said, it goes back to options. Right. they, Right. they, They see that. Um, being sexually exploited is the only way to survive. It, you know, is there one demographic that is more vulnerable than another? Uh, maybe those those that do um, feel like there's more. Maybe like, f- for example, the the ladies, the young girls, or bo- the young teenagers mm-hmm. in the Athens area. They or, or in the rural areas, they may think. Surely there's something more to life, more than what I've experienced. I've always wanted to go to the city. I want to be a model. I want to be a dancer. I want to be a singer. And they get on social media and they start making friends with people and maybe find out of an opportunity that they could be a backup singer or a dancer in Mm -hmm. a video. And they are lured to Atlanta or Norcross or somewhere else, somewhere outside of their home environment and with the promise of making it big. You know, you could be, you could, we could, um, we could get you noticed. You could be found, you know, through us. And so they, the girls and, and boys buy into that. They go and yeah, they might be a dancer or they might be a singer, but they might not be doing it the way they had imagined doing it. It's taking off your clothes or posing for these pictures. And then they, once the exploiter has even one picture, then they use that as blackmail. And then that way the girls get trapped. So then the exploiter says, hey, I know where you live. If you don't do this for me, guess who you were going to go back and tell your mom or hurt your pet or whatever they have figured out as a way to get to that that young person to get them to do what they want them to do. And so I've I have worked with young girls from the, the northeast side of Atlanta. Maybe not as, as far out as, as your community is here, but one of the girls I work with actually was a straight-A student in high school, and she spent the night with one of her friends, and they decided they wanted to see a little more of than what the small town had to offer, so they went to Atlanta, and that's exactly how she got into it. They were um, found by some guy. He bought them drinks and got them drunk and took some pictures. And the next thing you know, every single weekend for her senior year in high school, she spent in Atlanta working in the sex trade because she felt like that she didn't have a choice. So you're you're telling us then to get to go from, you know, a a straight A student Mm -hmm. to where she was um, being sexually exploited. It, it, It was it wasn't this huge. It was just a couple of steps. Correct. A couple of decisions. Correct. And next thing she knows, she's there. She, right. And then she feels like she she's can't trapped. Get, she's trapped. She mm-hmm. can't get out. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. So, and what she would tell her parents, th- this, this, she was kind of a unique individual because she was from a two-parent home. I mean, it, she wasn't your typical, if there is such a thing, victim. She would tell her parents she's going to spend the weekend with another girlfriend. And the girlfriend would tell, tell her parents the same thing. And those two girls would go to Atlanta every weekend. Wow. And and work. Yeah. And not get any of the money, but they would come back maybe with uh, some jewelry or just a little something else that made them feel good. And it was enough to keep them going 
tied with the fact that they were being blackmailed right. by their exploiter. Wow. Um, how do you find um, those in trouble? Well, unfortunately, the area where we feel the Lord has called us to serve, mm-hmm. at least two-thirds of the, the people there are victims. So it's not hard to find them. If we go out, again, two out of three people we speak to are going to be either trapped in the life or at risk of entering the life. Two out of three. Right. Just in the because of the area where we serve, where we minister, it's in easy access off of the interstate. So one of the motels where we serve uh, really uh, markets, if you will, to truckers. And so they've got a back parking lot where the the Typically men, uh, I don't want to grossly stereotype the the truckers, but typically the male truckers, they can pull off the interstate, park their rig, either get a room at this motel or just sleep in their their cab. A lot of the the tractor trailers, the trailer, the tractors have the cab part, the bed in it. And then women are in that area and they can go up to the, the cab, the door and say, you know, can I help you with anything or may I serve you in some way? And they can, that's how they earn their living there. But we, so we, we do, the main way that we reach people is we go, we physically go to the motels and we walk around the parking lots looking to give them something. Do they know who y'all are? It's funny. I am... I am known as the church lady. <laughs> so we do approach them as the local church. That's what we say. We are not the table on Delk. We are not a Catholic church, Presbyterian church, Baptist church. We're, we're none of that. We are the local church. And we, we like to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's really cool is a lot of the volunteers that we get each and every Saturday and Wednesday when we do outreach, it's a variety of churches. So we really are. When we go out with three or four people, we're typically representing three or four different churches. That's awesome. So we do approach them as the local church. We offer to give them something, and then we offer to pray with them. And then if we feel like at that point that they are being exploited or at risk, then we will invite them back to our space, which is just a quarter of a mile walk, flat walk from the motel. Uh, it's interesting the the way the Lord kind of really pushed us into this area. My background is with uh, a ministry called Out of Darkness, and we did street ministry out on Fulton Industrial Boulevard in Atlanta on the west side of Atlanta, and we did it at night when the women were working. So in my mind, that's what ministry to these victims looks like is you go out at night. But the Lord clearly directed us daytime on Delk Road specifically between 11 and three. So on Delk Road, because of the clients that we, the guests that we serve and and just the makeup of the area, 11 o'clock is checkout time. Three o'clock is check in time. If they are using their bodies for survival, they typically don't have two or three nights rent paid for in in their hand at one time. So they are kicked out physically kicked out of their uh, their room at 11 and have no place to go until three o'clock when they can check back in. So we come at a a time when we say, hey, have you eaten yet today? Do you want some coffee or smoothie? Walk down with us. It's free. Just come hang out. And you can sit down. Yes, absolutely. And then that's where you engage. Correct. And And I'm sure maybe even speak to them as people correct and as and as and as daughters and, and right. sons of christ you know i mean you know uh, for the first time exactly we're not seeing them as as what i can get from you right and and what we've really found is the folks really want to be heard they don't want to be talked to they want to be listened to 
They want to be heard. So, the, yes, the fact that we sit down and we just we look them in the eyes and we don't have an ulterior motive. We don't have another agenda. What we do at the table is we serve the, the ladies. We have a, like we set it up as a restaurant mm. style thing with a tablecloth and fresh flowers and real china and glasses <laughs> and silverware. Nothing is disposable. And that's by design, too. We want to begin yeah. to impart to them. You have value. You're not disposable property. We're not going to feed you on a paper plate and throw it away. We want to sit down with you. Choose a coffee cup. Choose mm. choose what you want to drink. Choose what you want to eat off of our menu. Again, going back to that choice, that, that you have choices. Ultimately, to believe that God sees you, loves you, has a better plan for your life, and that you can accept Jesus as your Savior in addition to everything else, a place to stay, job, GED, whatever else you need. Ultimately, our goal is to, to lead them to Jesus. But we don't beat them over the head with the Bible. We're not out there, you know, brim, brimstone, you know. Yeah, we're not that. You, I got right, you. Yeah. right. We're yeah. not that. We really, our goal is to build yeah. relationships mm. with them. And, and begin to let them know, yeah, you, you're important. You, you, you have value. You're not, you are not an accident, regardless of what the, the mother in your life said. You're not an accident. You were created with a purpose and for a purpose. And, and God has that it's still in store for you because you're still breathing right now. Table on Delk, you know, it's a ministry out of Marietta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. So, Tina, how did a mom from the Burbs come to start this ministry? Well, it uh, started really, the seed was planted back in 2005. Uh, my husband and I have four kids, and at the, we've always been involved in church and been uh, active serving and doing mission-type work. But in 2005, we decided to take our oldest two at the time, 11 and 13, to Guatemala on a short-term mission trip. And they were 11 and 13? Correct. Okay. We left the younger two at home. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yes, it was. We went to Guatemala. We did your typical mission trip things, feeding programs, vacation Bible school, stuff like that. But on the last day, the ministry that we served with went into the red light district of Guatemala City, threw open some garage doors, pumped out some music and told us to go out and invite the prostitutes and drug addicts in for for a meal and a message. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, suburban mom from Atlanta with your 11 and 13 year old right says go out to the streets and invite the drug addicts and prostitutes. And so we we did scared to death but yeah. we did and what i saw literally women going from motel room to motel room just strung out on drugs completely unaware of what they were doing completely hopeless and my personality was i was infuriated that this was happening yes my heart broke for the ladies that were that felt like that was all they were good for that was their life that they had just conceded that's that's as good as it's going to get. But I was so angry that it was happening and felt like I needed to do something, but I didn't know what. So we went ahead. We finished our mission trip. We came back to the States and I resumed um, life as a stay at home mom of four kids and still felt like there was a, a burning. Something needed to be done, but I didn't know what. I didn't feel called back to Guatemala. I can't speak Spanish. So that was a huge barrier right there. And and really did at that point in time feel like my calling, the the work that God had planned for me to do was to be a stay at home mom and raise my kids. Mm -hmm. So I let that that seed stay in there in inside of me until around 2011. So my kids were now what, 19, 17, 15 and 14. So a little bit older, able to do more things on their own. I had a driver in the house, so I didn't have to shuttle everybody around. And there was a 
blurb put in my my uh, church bulletin about an organization that is now known as Out of Darkness. Out of Darkness is the anti-trafficking ministry of Atlanta Dream Center, which mm-hmm. is located in the old fourth ward of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And they were having an awareness event. And I thought, OK, 2011, I remembered my time in Guatemala six years ago and thought, is now the time, Lord? I, I think I want to go and see what this is all about. So I attended the event and it was just an awareness event and thought, I can do this. I can get involved with this. This is, again, the stage of my life when my kids were grown. I could or not grown, but they were a little more self-sufficient. You weren't wiping noses. Correct. Correct. I'm in the wiping noses stage. <laughs> yes. But. Yes. And I'm living proof that you survive. Hey, thanks. <laughs> I got involved with Out of Darkness, started doing street ministry on Fulton Industrial Boulevard, going out, talking to the ladies while they were working at night. Okay, did did you ever think, like, who am I? I'm just a stay-at-home suburban mom, and I'm working the streets talking about Jesus to these women. Right. Yes. Yeah, it was kind of crazy, but that, I guess, is my personality. It's like, why not? Yeah. You, know, you do what you can. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I could do that. I could I could spend a Friday night going out on Fulton Industrial Boulevard and talking to ladies. What what Out of Darkness does is they give the ladies a rose and then a hotline card with a number to call 24-7 whenever they're ready to leave the life. Or they could choose to leave the life right then, get in the van, and we would transport them to safety. Immediately. Immediately. Yes, ma'am. Wow. That first night when you worked... What was what was something that God really showed you? Do you remember that that first night? Well, what he continues to show me is these these are real people. These are real circumstances. They aren't statistics. They aren't um, they matter to someone. They're someone's daughter or sister or mother. They they have they need they need support. They need a support system. They want to be loved. They want to be noticed. And so what what I felt like those first few times doing Princess Night is what it's called, the outreach on Fulton Industrial Boulevard. What I felt like was that I could just be a friend to them. I could just pay attention to them. I, I, I wasn't a, a trained minister or I, my degree was in marketing. How was that going to help them? You and you know? weren't you weren't a counselor. Right. I had no formal training. It just was a matter of letting them know somebody cares mm-hmm. Like you matter. You really do matter, regardless of what you've been told for the every day of your life. You matter. You're enough the way you are. You're loved. God sees you. And so I could do that. Yeah. I mean, without any training and just listen to them. So that's kind of where it started that even. So, yeah, using my experience as a mom. Just I was just caring, about to ask you, just, how did that how did that prepare you? Because, I mean, you know, there's some times as a mom and. You feel like the days are long, mm-hmm. you know, and, and mm-hmm. you feel like, when is my husband going to come home from work? You know, so I can hand over these kids. Yeah. <laughs> when is my like laundry basket going to quit being filled as soon as I like unfill it? You know what I mean? It's just the drudgeries of life. Right. But how did God use those days to prepare you for what you're doing now? I think just the little things matter. A lot of little things, you add them up and it becomes a big thing. So whether it's yeah doing laundry or wiping noses or preparing the 16th sack lunch, you know, <laughs> yes. whatever, yes. That it all matters. And if you pull back, it's like you're not doing it. What's what's the motive behind it? You don't you don't prepare your kids lunches to be thanked by your children because that may or may not happen. Mm-hmm. But you probably won't. Right. <laughs> that's <laughs> but, OK. But you um, you do it because you feel called to do. That's what that's part of what you feel like God's yes. equipped you to do or called you to do right now. Hopefully you won't be preparing their lunches in 20 years. Mm-hmm. You'll be doing something else for them. Right. But, so it's all seasons. Right. Right. So, so yeah, being a mom really helped me understand. 
actually it benefited both parties. Being a mom helped me minister to the ladies who were being exploited and ministering to the ladies being exploited helped me be a better mom, especially when my kids went through crisis situations. I was able, I call it kick into out of darkness mode. I would distance myself. I would be able to think clearly and respond out of a place of not out of a place of fear, but out of a place of security. Like I know this to be true. And so we're, this is, these are the facts. We're going to move you from just what's the next step. What's the next right thing we can do. And so I think they both work together. I honestly believe that my kids were grateful for my, my volunteering, volunteering with out of darkness because it allowed me to pour, to use my energies and, and gifts and talents where they were appreciated. And my kids maybe didn't feel like I was meddling so much in their life. I was able to, to keep it kind and of And you were being the center of God's will. I mean, you were, right. you were just following God. Right, right. And, and being and obedient. Not, right, wow. right. Back in 2011 is really when I really got connected with Out of Darkness and started volunteering on their Princess Nights, which is the street outreach on Fulton Industrial Boulevard. Then where they hand out roses, correct, hand uh-huh. out roses and a hotline number for ladies to call any time to come and get rescued um, mm-hmm. from that life. And they, and they actually have a van. So if they say they get that rose at night, they say, yes, I'm done to get can, me out here. Yes. And we do. Them. Yes. We put them in the van and we transport them back to a safe house out of darkness has one right now, but they um, have had two different safe houses. And so that's a place where the ladies can come and get they can detox, they can get their days and nights straightened around, learn mm-hmm. to eat three meals a day and get prepared to go to a long-term program mm-hmm. to receive the restorative services that they really need. And get them away from the predators that are keeping Correct, them. correct, right. So they would spend some time in the safe house, they would be assigned a case manager and really look at what, what their goals are, what their future, what they want their future to look like. And so I would, I did the Princess Night volunteering, I volunteered as a mentor at the safe house and getting to know the ladies there and just really encouraging them along the way while they transition to their long-term program. Then with their long-term programs, anywhere between nine to 18 months, I have mentored ladies through there and really just, again, acting as a cheerleader, not not a counselor or a therapist or anything other than just a friend. And pretty much everybody's qualified to do that, just right. to be a friend. Yeah. So um, did that with several ladies and then kept the, maintained the relationships and ministered with them or to them once they graduated from the programs. So that was, that was wonderful doing that part of it. Um, actually have been rescue trained so I could go out with a lady calls and says, Hey, I'm, I'm done. Come and get me. So I've been able to do that with several ladies as well. But probably the thing that I most enjoyed was the jail ministry started doing that back in 2013 Mm -hmm. and would go into the jails and talk to ladies who were there typically not on prostitution related charges, but maybe a drug possession or shoplifting or sometimes aggravated assault. Um, but they, uh, they, they were there and had been identified by a social worker or a mental health counselor inside the jail as someone who had been exploited or trafficked. So we would go in that the jail volunteers would go in and just talk to the ladies and be their friend. Again, 
no special qualifications. Just mm-hmm. go and listen to them. Point them to Jesus, obviously, that he's really their only source of hope to transform their lives. We mm-hmm. can all pull up our bootstraps for a little while and act like we've got our act together, but that, yeah. that that's not lasting change. No. Yeah. So while I was visiting in the jails, had visited in, in four different jails around the metro Atlanta area, but spent primarily the last two years in Cobb County, which is where I live and where Delk Road is. So when we were talking with one of the ladies there, she knew of Out of Darkness and said, hey, I know that you guys, you guys do the Princess Night on Fulton Industrial Boulevard, but there are ladies on Delk Road. So you guys should do a Princess Night on Delk Road. So I went back to the executive director of Out of Darkness and said, hey, can we do a Princess Night on Delk Road? And he said, that is a great idea. It probably needs to happen, but we don't have the resources to do it right now. He said, maybe you should pray about doing it. I'm like, You're like, no, wait, no, wait, no, wait, no, wait, no, wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am Let me super, backtrack a little bit. I'm super happy going into the jails. Sure. I like this. I'm uh, comfortable. I know what to expect. So, yeah, no. But, uh, but yeah, the Lord had something totally different in mind. Coincidentally, and I use that word maybe with air quotes. Yeah. This all happened August of 2016. Mm-hmm. The same month that we took our fourth and final child off to college, we were empty nesters or so we thought (laughs) at that point and live in life like, what are we going to do now? We've got four kids out of the house. You know, life is going to be great. And that's when the Lord gave the the prompting, the nudge to do something on Delk Road. Didn't really know what it was. In fact, truth be told, I really only said yes to him to go and hang out at the Exxon gas station. And just talk to the ladies walking around. I had no idea and no no desire to do what is now what the table is now doing. I, wow. I I did not say yes to that. So you go back to what you said earlier, how you know he doesn't give us the whole plan because it would paralyze us. We would say absolutely no. He gives us the next thing, the next step. But it's What's so the hard. Right it's so hard when we're waiting on the next step, right? It is. It is. And we're actually in that process right now on something. But um, but yeah, so so I talked to my husband about he he knew my involvement and supported my involvement with Out of Darkness, but he never himself got involved with it. He is an entrepreneur. He's on, I don't know, five or six of our almost 30 year married life. And so he approached it from a business standpoint and said, OK, what's the What's the chance? Can a ministry even, is it viable there on Delk Road? So he crunched some numbers and did some some fact-finding and found out that, yes, something is needed there. The church had overlooked, the church, capital C, had overlooked that area for quite some time, and darkness was just prevailing everywhere. Mm. So we felt specifically called to the those four motels that I mentioned earlier. And uh, we, because of Scott's business experience, he went ahead and filed the 501c3 and the register, the Georgia nonprofit status. Anyone out there who knows anything about the IRS or government knows that it's a boatload of red tape and a long period of wait and and Mm -hmm. supply more information. The Lord pushed that through in three weeks. We had our nonprofit status and Georgia registered with the IRS and the state of Georgia in three weeks. So that was, quote, that hurdle was was overcome. And then the Lord provided us a space there, favor with the motels. Um, Mm -hmm. Our church has been very supportive. He has provided finances for us. We have not lacked anything in doing this. And so we um, we did officially start 
January of 2017. So we're we're kind of a young ministry. We've we've been doing this for about 15 months. But that that, that just shows that God's in the middle of it. Because when you right. think about a ministry that's just a little over a year old, and then you can look back and be like, wow, like look at what God's doing. Right. And not only that, he we were the original location that he gave us. Again, he funneled us into that daytime slot, which I thought was just a, a set up for failure. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was exactly what that area needed. That mm-hmm. was the most effective way to reach yes. those folks there. Yeah. So we were when we started, we were six tenths of a mile away from the motels and we were signing. We had a month to month lease and we realized from the guests that would come said, you know, we want we want to hang out with you more frequently and we wish you weren't so far away. So we started praying about another space. That seems crazy to move after four or five months after just being there. Right. But the Lord provided us a space that where we are now, which is a quarter of a mile mm-hmm. from there. We have it. it it's it's ours seven days a week. Mm-hmm. So we're doing ministry at, right now out of there. We're doing five different ministries. Um, we're doing a daytime outreach on Wednesday and Saturday. We're doing a Tuesday night a girls Bible study. We're doing a Wednesday night game night and we're doing a Thursday night community Bible study. A local pastor is coming in and doing Bible. And study this all started church. because, well, well, it started when you went to a mission trip right. in Guatemala right. years right. ago, 2005. And then right. you you said, OK, God, I'll, I'll just hang out at this Exxon station mm-hmm. and just talk to the women that I mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. And, and then now look. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so I did not sign up for all this. And but he continues but you, to provide and equip. Where but he calls. I, I, know I was going to say, and you uh, have been obedient to the call that, that whatever the next step is, you'll you'll be in obedience and follow. And we're trying. Uh, and, and I think it's inspiration for all of us because, you know, it, you're just ordinary, but God's mm-hmm. doing something extraordinary through you. And I think that's that is amazing. And the Lord has really opened up the doors to expand it and love on these people in many different ways. Right. It's it's pretty cool how he has done that and the favor that he has and continues to give us with the the local the, the local community, the businesses there and even even the traffickers in the area, which is really? kind of fun. Yeah. That's that's been kind of a bonus. But how how how's that happened? Well, when we are doing our outreaches on Wednesdays and Saturdays, we approach women, usually you always women or children. But if a woman is with a man, we'll talk to both of them. And a lot of times the man is involved in some way of exploiting her, whether it's the boyfriend, we call them Romeo pimps, or if he's a full on legitimate trafficker. Well, um, how, I mean, how do you have favor with them? Because it seems like to me, like it would be. Hey, get away from her. You're going to you're going to break down my control. Well, they don't know what we're doing to start with. So we are the local church. We're not the anti-trafficking ministry. We're we're just the local church offering to feed. Word on the street is that the table on Delk looks to serve women and children who are staying in the motels, get connected to resources they might not know about. That's it. That's that's Mm. that's what they think we do. Mm-hmm. So, what you do exactly we just go into we unpack that a little bit more when we get them back to the table it's like okay what what do you really need what resources do you really need and let us point you in that direction so if we're talking to a, a man and and her his girl then we invite them both back to the table and we've had pimps come wow. we've had them come we've we've got we've, god's given us favor with this one in particular he he traffics um weapons he traffics drugs and he traffics women so and he his 40th birthday was just last week. He, we he calls me, he texts me, he calls my husband, texts my husband. He comes and eats with us. Mm. He doesn't really know what we do, but we love him just as Jesus loved us. He's 
He's not the enemy. The trafficker and the pimps are hmm. not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. So the traffickers and pimps are believing lies as well. They're believing that that's all they're good for, that someone told them a long way that this is the only way to live. To exploit women. Absolutely. And abuse them. Right. Right. So so we're we do need men to come and volunteer with us, because when the when the men come to our as our guests, we want our male volunteers to minister to them. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a female on female um, ministry that we have. So. So anyway, we we do have men and women come back and children as well. And what we learned, this was a huge surprise to us, too. What we learned is, yes, there are women being exploited in those motels, but the the children who are at risk are numerous. In, in 2017, the first year that we did ministry, we encountered and documented 515 individuals. 235 of those were children. 216 were women. So the, we had we documented a few males um, along the way and a couple of transgenders as well. Mm -hmm. So that's that's fun that God gives us an opportunity to minister to those folks, too. Again, they're lost. They're believing yeah. lies. Yeah, they need they need Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a non um, we don't discriminate against yeah. anyone. And so, so you all do Bible studies. Right. And, and so that's where that those ministries came from. We started getting a congregation of children who came most of them without their mother. We ha we have a regular pack of eight and 10 year olds that come. We have never met the mom. They wander the motels and go and, and do things at the day and day and night that the mom doesn't know about. So that's that's sad right there. Mm -hmm. But we do offer um, a girls Bible study on Tuesday nights ministering to those at risk girls. On Wednesday night, we do a game night modeling sober fun for for the community. We initially thought it would be more adults, but what we've learned is it's a lot of kids that come to mm -hmm. the, the game night. So we have a group of folks that come in and just play board games and put your phone, you know, go go put your phone in the charging station and you come over here and let's play cards or let's talk or whatever. Very intentional, relational ministry, not Bible study in any way, but just, again, building relations. And then on Thursday night, we have a pastor who comes in and does a Bible study. He's a, a startup church right there in the area. And so he brings some of his folks and invites awesome. some of our folks to come to a Bible study. And last week, uh, he said there were 16 of them that came to his church. To the, oh, Bible to the Bible study, study. in our location. That's he awesome. uses our location. So again, the, the folks can walk there. Mm -hmm. um, we, we feel like that we, we can maybe, the table can maybe be a catalyst for the church to come in and God to use the church to change the environment. I don't, I'm not foolish enough to think that he can do it all through. Well, he can, but I don't, the table is not going to be the thing that orchestrates change. But I think the table can be a catalyst yes. for all of my friends who go to my churches and stuff yeah. to come in and get involved with people who are different. Mm -hmm. than than them and and they may truly have a desire to help but do not do not know where to begin yeah i think that is mm -hmm. I, I think i mean you think that the, the the problem is so big mm -hmm. and how do i relate what right. how do i get a conversation started right. that's way out of my comfort zone right right um, right you know all the different reasons why you can't right. you know so and that's that's true i mean speaking to individuals maybe not be for everyone may not be for everyone but they could certainly pray for the ministry, we have a weekly call in prayer call on Wednesday mornings that you can join and just even listen to what what we're praying about and kind mm. of what the topics are. Get updates on our specific area and, and other ministries. We pray for other ministries as well. We um, we do offer there are chances for people. Obviously, every ministry needs money, but that's 
that's over there. You can do um, you can do you can collect toiletries. You can do um, you can prepare meals. Everything that we do at the table involves food. So <laughs> I, I like the I like the way you think there. Right. That's, that's how I, that's how I like to do it. Tina, what are some safety nets that y'all have put in place? Because this is a very dangerous road. Um, you, you know, you're talking to people who, you know, if they find out what you're doing, they, they could cause harm to the victims and then to you for stopping mm-hmm. their industry, right? Mm-hmm. Their livelihood. Their livelihood. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible to say it like that, but that's right. that's how they see. I mean, they could see you like that. Right, right. I, I don't ever operate out of a spirit of fear, first of all. Yes. So that's that's the basis. That's the baseline. Mm-hmm. We do recognize that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. It's a spiritual battle. And so even during our preparation, uh, before we do any kind of ministry, we say out loud, we put on the armor of God. So we, we read that out loud. Every single volunteer, we, we say that out loud. So the Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. So we do that, again, recognizing that it's not our battle and we're fighting with weapons that the world can't see. Mm-hmm. So we, we put on appropriate armor. Physically, however, we do go out in the daytime. <laughs> broad daylight we are very well acquainted with the local law enforcement both Cobb County uh, Police Department and Marietta Police Department know that we're there they have they are in the area all the time they have also said and confirmed that the crime that happens there there's absolutely crime there's shootings and stuff like that but the crime that happens is a result of their lifestyles so it's a drug deal gone bad that's why someone gets shot mm-hmm. or they're fighting over a woman that's how domestic violence happens so it's not people outside people coming in getting robbed mm-hmm. so the the crime that's happening there is is lifestyle it's a result of their lifestyle and then you you've also said you know men talk to men women talk to women right right Except on outreach, that's usually I'm the one that does the talking to both. But if if a man chooses to come back to the table, then we absolutely pair him with a male volunteer. Mm-hmm. So yes, we do try to maintain those that male on male, female on female ministry opportunities. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get to a, a couple of songs and come right back because I know you have a list of uh, ministries that are similar to this in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, so that if, if someone you know, I mean, it, it just breaks your heart to think about. Um, the vast amount of people who are waking up tomorrow morning and thinking, this is my life. This is, mm-hmm. I, I am no one special mm-hmm. and have no idea that there's a God out there that died for them mm-hmm. and that loves them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and, and that this is going on in our community here in the mm-hmm. Athens area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have a list of things that, that people could tomorrow give them a call and, and say, I want to be involved. Education and awareness is key. That's the first step in solving any problem. So mm-hmm. the fact that they want to do more is great. Um, there are opportunities here locally, yes, especially through the university. Um, mm-hmm. Here, there are a couple of great anti-trafficking organizations. One of them is Breaking the Shackles. Mm-hmm. There, they have a website that you could go to as well. It's a very worthwhile cause. Um, mm-hmm. I would encourage people to support them however they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and in and that of regard. course, you have volunteer opportunities with you as well. If someone wants, oh to- sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking locally though. Who wants to drive to Marietta? <laughs> hey, I mean, I think a lot of college students do, right? To go yeah, see mom they and get do. their clothes clean right. yes. and maybe a good yes. meal. Yes. You might live in Marietta, right? right. Um, okay, so, but you can. But you said, yeah, some other things locally that we can do, right? So yeah, breaking the shackles is one. There's another organization um, through the university called Free the Girls, mm-hmm. and it is a movement where they collect bras for victims of trafficking. Mm-hmm. So 
you can donate bras or donate financially for them um, to, to get um, to, for their bra drives for mm-hmm. the, the victims. And then, um, of course, there's the local IGM, Interna- International Justice Movement, that's here. They can, if they're more inclined legally to help in that regard, they can learn more there. And then um, Project Safe does not only trafficking, they more domestic violence, but you can donate to the thrift store or serve at the thrift store um, and the victims get to shop there for free. Wow. So that's that's something there. But but yes, absolutely. We would welcome you to come to the table. Um, (laughs) It's just yeah, I know it's logistically not not ideal and especially like for you with younger children, you can't just pack up and leave on a Saturday. What what we require, if you will, of our volunteers is to commit a chunk of time from 1030 to about three on Saturday. Right. Or Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So if there are stay at home moms that say, you know what, I don't have anything to do this week or my bunco club needs something to do. I don't know. You know what? what a, it can be a civic organization. It doesn't have to be um, a, a religious group. Mm-hmm. Um, we we are registered as a human rights organization, but we are absolutely faith based. Yes. So that's we we don't want to be discriminated or, you know, have have anybody say, oh, can't can't participate in that because you're faith based. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, we're human rights. Right. So. Right. Hey, and listen, I know that we just gave out a lot of different information and training. And, and if it, you're driving down the road and it just you couldn't write, which we don't want you to write. Right. Or take mm-hmm. notes while you're driving. Um, get in touch with me and I will make sure to get you um, the information that you need. And I'll make sure to get you in touch with Tina if you need That'd more information. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, all the different ways to contact me I have my Instagram account and Facebook account, email, phone number, whatever way I will make sure to get y'all um, connected together. Y'all offer a set of time, a set aside day and time each week for those to call in for prayers. Mm-hmm. What are some of the prayer requests that you hear? We actually we pray for different aspects of the ministry. We do it at 630 every Wednesday morning. And it's, yes, a call in prayer time. We cover topics not only of the, the women and, and victims that we have seen mm-hmm throughout the week or weeks we cover the traffickers we cover the um the consumers the buyers that's they're held in darkness too we pray for them to be convicted that their heart of stone would become would be replaced by a, with a heart of flesh that they would actually use their money that the traffickers in particular would use their money and wisdom that they have used for ill-gotten gain to actually restore and help save other women to help get them out of the life the information that they know or have they have used we pray for the different ministries that happen at the table each week and we pray for the legislation that um, is is critical in in helping it's not going to solve the problem but it's helping get the misdemeanors of prostitution or uh, trafficking turned into felonies and that they're actually charges now they're able to be laid against the buyers the consumers the johns is the name that they're called in the industry so the johns the buyers are now they're the ones that are now being punished not the girls who for prostitution so so for a long time then they saw them as as the criminal the the, the ladies the girls yes the and ladies. now they're realizing okay no they're the victims, they're victims correct Wow. Right. Wow. Because so that was a, that was a different mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the, the bigger legislations that's happening nationwide is we're trying to get porn declared a national health crisis because mm-hmm. all of these roots 
of specifically the buyer's behavior is is rooted from porn mm-hmm. um, that's so prevalent. I and mean, you can't even turn on even a daytime show and not see some kind of soft porn, we call it now. But 15, 20 years ago, that'd be considered hardcore porn. Right, right. So, so if a girl calls in and expresses a desire to flee... What's the first step? I mean, what does she do? How does she do that? What what we do is we encourage them to call the Out of Darkness hotline number. And we we actually had a girl call last week, so we're pretty excited that she, she made that very brave decision to yeah. leave the life. So what happens is they are asked if there's a slight intake that they do on the phone. And then a rescue team is dispatched to come and get the girl wherever immediately. she is. Immediately. Right. Typically, in reality, it takes about three or four hours to, to get the team that's, together and to a, get the girl. That's a quick turnaround. Tina. Well, it is. <laughs> that's quick. But, um, but why? Why is it so critical to be so quick to get them out immediately? A lot of them are in dangerous situations. They're in crisis situations. And so we want to get them out of there as quickly as possible. We also want to take advantage isn't the right word, but but utilize. If, if, they're, if they've got a brave moment right there, they're being take courageous. It. We want absolutely take advantage of, of that opportunity to help to rescue them. So their res- their, the rescue team is dispatched. They're taken to like an out-of-darkness safe house where they would go through the, the beginnings of getting connected mm. to a long-term program. If that's not what they want, if they just want, like last week I was able to accompany a young lady to um, a behavioral, Cobb Behavioral Health. She was in need of, of, of detoxing and some medical stabilization. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to get her there. They operate a 24-hour system there, so I was able to take her there. But we, again, we tried to say, do it now. If, if this is what you want, let's do it now. Let's yeah. not wait till tomorrow or, or next week. Or, or let Satan tell you all the reasons why you why, can't right. leave that lifestyle. Right. All right, so what are some signs to look for in uh, people around us who are being sexually exploited? Because that's something that you have really made sure we are, um, are, are aware of, that this is not a big city thing. Right. This is happening here in our little community right. in the Athens area. Right. Probably for especially your community here, would I would really want to look at the young people, their social media habits, if they... Um, if they're talking to people that have not, they don't really know who they are. Mm-hmm. That social media is just such a scary thing right now, or can be a, a very sure. scary. That's that's a, a main way that traffickers and exploiters use to reach their victims. So some maybe some initial signs would be they they don't go where they say they're going to go. Like they maybe say, I'm going to a friend's house. Like the, the lady I was telling you about, the, the student, the straight A student who said, yeah, I'm going to go to my friend's house this weekend. Yeah, and then she's actually, right, mm-hmm. right. If they have some unexplained extra jewelry or their nails are nicer, they start dressing a little differently, um, maybe more mature makeup, hairstyles, things like that, maybe more provocative clothing, suggestive clothing. This is for the, the girls. Um, a lot of times there will be a, an avoidance of eye contact because they're being trained to, to not to be submissive under control of their trafficker. Um, mm. Those are for the younger folks that um, a lot of times drug drugs, I don't want to say abuse initially, but drugs play a part in it. Um, mm. Girls are lured into the, the life by using drugs and then they hook them. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like, well, the drugs aren't free. What you what who do you think were, was paying for the drugs? Mm-hmm. And so the wow. the trafficker gets the girls that Such way. Evil. It it really is. It really is. There's a great book if people want to have have a better understanding of how a church going, youth group attending young lady gets into this life. I would strongly suggest you read Rescuing Hope by Susan Norris. It it's a wonderful book. It's they're fictional people, but they are factual situations. Wow. wow. So, okay, so what, how, would you, how would you advise us on how to, we should approach those situations? If we're seeing some telltale signs that you said, mm-hmm. look for, mm-hmm. um, th- then what do we do? H- have a talk with, with the individual that you suspect is becoming a victim or is a victim. Or vulnerable to Vulnerable, be. absolutely, yes. Really just continue to maintain, um, try to maintain communication with them. If they don't feel that you or the person is a safe contact, try to get them in touch with someone that they will talk to. Um, whether it's a school counselor, they're trained in, in matters like this. The The schools have excellent resources as far as um, guidance counselors and things like that and um, other counseling situations just to really help the girls unpack the, the shame that's already been built, put on them, that mm-hmm. they feel like they can't tell because there's this, it's this dark mm-hmm. secret. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that's probably for younger folks. If you see a more of an adult individual, um, you could absolutely ask if they, my line is, are you doing things that you really don't want to do with people you really don't want to do it with? You don't come out and say, are you being trafficked? Because mm-hmm. people don't think that. Mm-hmm. They, they honestly don't. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't see themselves as a victim. No, absolutely not. Uh-huh. They don't like their situation. And again, shame keeps yeah. them covered. And, and lies. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So so if they feel if if the answer is yes to you're finding yourself doing things that you never dreamed you'd be doing just to survive, help is available. And I usually give I carry the hotline cards with me wherever I go. So I, I point them in that direction. If they're a minor, then again, if the high school counselor, Georgia Cares needs to be involved, they serve um, victims under 18 out of darkness does not out of darkness does promote the table on Delk. So we're grateful for that as well as, as a ministry opportunity that people mm. can get involved with. So it's, there's a lot of different ways that people can, um, can, can fight this fight. It's a complex matter. There's a lot of different fronts that people can come and it can in. It be a little scary. I guess it can be. I guess I've been doing it for so long. It's like, wow, what's scary about it? But but it's um, out of the norm. It can be a little out of someone's comfort zone. Absolutely, absolutely. So at at that point, what we tell people is just tell tell three of the people that you what you heard. Help awareness. Everybody can do that. T- again, tell your bunko group, your bridge group, your your um, mm. moms and prayer group, your taught you know your moms of preschoolers, w- yes. whatever. Tell your group. Did you know? And just start having the conversations. As we raise awareness, that's going to push back the darkness right right there. That's right. So everybody can do something. Absolutely. Everyone is qualified to do something. It doesn't take a master's in divinity or a licensed therapist degree to, to, to help in this fight. Well, hey, Tina, I appreciate you coming in. I, um, I've been inspired just to hear how, you know, uh, yet again, God does extraordinary things with just ordinary you and me. Right. It's pretty, pretty incredible. <laughs> pretty incredible. Uh, yeah, and, I, and I thank you all so much for listening to The Jewel Show. And if there are any of these organizations and ministries you want to be uh, put in contact with and maybe you were driving and you couldn't write it all down, just get in touch with me on Instagram and on Facebook or either way, however way you want to do it, I'll make sure to get you in contact. Tina, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, Jules. Appreciate it.